0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Anthony Taylor here. And today I am joined by Brock McDonald, who is the CEO of the Recycling Council of BC. Brock, how are you today? I'm great, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. A beautiful day. Sun is shining. It's a great summer so far, so I'm very happy. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do for Recycling Council of BC and sort of what your day-to-day looks like?
1: sure so um as you mentioned i'm the ceo i started with the council in 2003 as a communications director and uh took over as uh, the slash edco in 2006. Uh, the recycling council uh, of bc is uh, canada's longest standing council we've been around since 1974 our primary mission is that of waste minimization the elimination of waste And so I lead the team that uh, works towards that. We provide British Columbians primarily with information about their options in their communities to um, avoid waste, to recycle, or waste uh, minimization disposal, that uh, that type of thing. And we have three platforms to do that. We have the recycling hotline. We have the... uh, Recyclopedia, which is an online system, and then we have our free phone apps that are GPS-based, and people can use those to find the locations uh, convenient to uh, wherever they happen to be. And so that, in a nutshell, is what we do. Very cool. Well,
0: so can you tell me a little bit, like you've been the CEO of the BC Recycling Council for 11 years or so, is that right? Yeah, that's true. So for, we have our listeners who are like managers and leaders in strategy. What are uh, maybe some of the two or three best practices that you have for that you found work best for leading strategy within, within your team and within your organization?
1: Well, I, I think my first approach is to take uh, a systems thinking uh, perspective on things. You know, unless you're aware of all the potential balls in play, uh, you know, you risk unintended consequences, then those can be disastrous. So I kind of take a systems thinking approach, and uh, you know we uh, we like to build collaborative alliances. We're a small organization, so we cannot do everything ourselves. We have limited resources, so we work with other like-minded organizations that have similar goals, and we work with them. Uh, the the systems thinking piece. Can you tell me a little bit? One that thing that stuck out right away was the
0: unintended consequences. Can you? Uh, without breaking any privacy or anything like that. Can you tell me a little bit more about like what system thinking looks like to you as a, as a manager?
1: Sure. So, you know, for instance, some of the advisory committees I sit on and that one of the things I do emphasize with them is, you know, when they're doing their strategic planning, when they're trying to do uh, long-term continuous improvement, you have to take a systems thinking approach. You have to know all the balls in play, because you aren't necessarily in control of every aspect of your environment. There's uh, legislators, there's uh, competitors, there's uh, other entities that can have an influence on what happens in your in your system. And so you have to be in, involved enough with the system to know what that looks like. Um, it's, and then remember, it's not what you don't know. It's what you don't know you don't know. So you can look at something, hey, I don't know what this metric's going to be right now, or I don't know what this trend might look like in six months. But if you don't know there's a trend happening, you can be in real trouble. So one of the things that we do is we engage with other uh, organizations, local governments, uh, provincial government, uh, like-minded nonprofits, industry stewardship associations, And we work with them in a number of different capacities and we partner and and, uh, create collaborative alliances. That way it gives us more intel and insight than we normally would have. And it gives us a better strategic perspective and and viewpoint than we would normally have ourselves.
0: Got it. Okay, so yeah, you look at the internal... like your organization itself and as a nonprofit for everybody listening, that you have, you know, the internal workings, everything that you have going on. And then you also consider everything that's going on outside of your organization. And what I I think is particularly interesting about that is that from a partnership approach, you recognize where you have your, I mean, maybe just limitations, whether that's time, money, or people. And instead of looking at it as an obstacle, you look to other organizations to see where you can partner up to take advantage of that. And I think that's a really good um, insight for other people. If you're faced with an obstacle, say, okay, well, it's just a temporary obstacle. What else can we do? And and partnership is a great opportunity for that. So that's awesome.
1: Oh, Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, for instance, the one that comes to mind for me is the national zero waste council. You know, that was initially uh, an initiative by the Federation of Canadian municipalities led by Metro Vancouver. And it, uh, its members include businesses and governments and nonprofits. Well, quite early on we uh, determined that a circular economy was the best strategy to follow to meet the goals that we were that we shared and my counterpart from Alberta uh, recycling council, Christina Seidel, her and I lead the circular economy working group and what we do with that is we uh, try to uh, build a network of organizations, companies across Canada, to try to transition towards a circular economy to meet our overall arching goal of uh, a long-term waste reduction through a circular economy. Because it, it follows the uh, waste prevention hierarchy. We recognize that quite early. So that's what we're, we're doing. It, we couldn't have done that on our own necessarily, reach out to big cities like Toronto and Montreal and the levels of government uh, at the federal level. And uh, companies like Dell, huge company, for instance, now that it has incorporated circular economic uh, business models into what they're doing worldwide. Uh, we wouldn't have had that ability if we hadn't partnered with uh, the National Zero Waste Council. So we're quite happy to lend our time and our expertise to do that because it just it lends itself towards uh, the mission objective.
0: Absolutely, and, that, and that's so uh, key that you put that on here. So like uh, on your website, it says your vision is a world without waste and exactly the mission is facilitating the exchange of ideas and knowledge that enable efficient solutions to eliminate waste and so it sounds like that you know your vision and mission are aligned with the activities that you're taking to move that forward um can you speak to that a little bit yes exactly.
1: yeah exactly So there's a lot of like-minded organizations that may articulate that differently or have different motivations. So for instance, an industry stewardship association that would collect post-consumer paint or post-consumer beverage containers, something like that, they're mandated under a regulatory structure to provide regulatory compliance for their brand owners. So in the beverage container uh, instance, that would be the Coca-Colas and the Pepsis of the world. Well, that may be their primary motivation, the the, uh, the regulatory compliance, but they're still working towards waste reduction. So we work towards th- that goal with them and where we can align our goals, we do so. And we've actually uh, done, done some very interesting pro- uh, projects with organizations like that. For instance, we wanted to create uh, a series of PSAs, but you know we're a small organization. We don't have the budget to do that. So they helped sponsor a a movie trailer uh, competition called Trailer Trash. That's what we called it, Trailer Trash. And uh, filmmakers made these short little films that were formatted like movie trailers with a specific thing in mind. It was about beverage containers. Why are there, you know, 300 million, million missing beverage containers and how can we make sure that they get to the depot? And some of the films that were created by local filmmakers and students were just absolutely amazing. I mean, top-notch, high-level, high-production PSAs that we're now still using. And actually, in one instance, uh, the countries of Netherlands and uh, Spain uh, contacted us and asked us if they could use this particular film and dubbed in their, their languages to spread that message. So it was a very successful thing that had some global impact.
0: That's awesome. And and that it sounds like it all started out of figuring out what you need to do from a priority perspective to, you know, fulfill your mission, even if
1: you had limited
0: maybe time, money and
1: resources. Exactly. We have to be quite creative sometimes. So, you know, a strategic alliance can help you meet a goal and, and further your mission. And, you know, when you've got an organization that has a larger budget than you and is mandated to do specific things and you can help them by giving them some creative uh, input to allow them to achieve that as well, you know, that's, that's clearly a good example.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of organizations that we work with. I mean, many of our listeners are are managers and leaders of of SMEs, so obviously not um you know not always flooded with cash or not unlimited resources. So when going through the strategic planning process, there's a lot of opportunities to be creative and saying, okay, like focus on the end and then what are some of the things that we can do to make that work and what would that look like. So um it sounds like you have done that and and probably give some ideas to some uh some other nonprofits on how they can fulfill on their mission. Um, So I really want to ask you more about strategy and performance, because I think that would really fall right into what you're talking about, the circular economy. But before I do that, did you have another sort of best practices um, really like on the court example for, for our listeners?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that we look at in our organization is, you know, it's not, it's not CEO centric in terms of its, of its uh, strategic planning and strategic mission, I mean we we look to everyone uh, as leaders in our organization, and many of the initiatives that we uh, come up with are are staff driven and so a number of years ago, we had an issue where we were literally losing staff on a regular basis to organizations that could provide uh, greater salaries, uh, better benefits, uh, room for advancement and and advancement in career in in other ways. So we decided to do an internal process to change the culture in our organization to one that was um, uh, more of a mentor and learning organization. And so what we did was we got our staff together. We had them identify five values that they felt they brought to the organization and we identified that and we saw where the common values were so we built a framework of common values they created their own internal mission and vision statements from that and then worked towards that mission and we flattened the hierarchy uh the management hierarchy dropped the uh, internal silos like policy communications and that sort of thing and started to uh, provide operations through a project management system where one person would take the lead and others would uh, join in on the project. And what that allowed us to do was develop skills, have people mentor and teach people other skills, and uh, to develop skills that they normally wouldn't have been able to do. And it, what it did was it created an atmosphere in which people were uh, had a much more fulfilling Employment experience at RCBC, and you know what it, what it, and, and as it turned out, it's really had a high impact on our employee retention. Where we were losing maybe a couple of people a year to other organizations, we haven't lost anyone in the last couple of years. And so we have an accumulative uh, institutional memory with the council now of our four-person management team of uh, about 60 years. And uh, with our uh, five line staff that provide uh, frontline information services, I think it's around 27 years now combined of service. So it's, it's really made a huge difference. And when you're an organization that relies on its level of information to provide to the public, institutional memory like that and that level of expertise is uh, just the ultimate level of importance to maintain.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, no, and I could see how that would be I mean, extremely valuable, especially when while well, the core part is, yeah, education, both internally, and the process wise. So um, I have a few questions. Uh, how many so you mentioned you have, you know, four management team, five frontline employees when you were going through this. So I don't want to call it like a process reorganization. But um, was that how many employees you had like under 10 at the time? Yes. Okay, perfect. And how long did instituting that that program take you?
1: It didn't take that long. We were able to facilitate the process that started it, the identification of shared values and the mission and vision statement, in an afternoon. So I facilitated that. We worked together. And, and then once that was in place, we decided we w- would then initiate the project management system. We started with our annual conference, and then it extended to communications. So for instance, if you happen to go to our website and, or our YouTube channel and look at our FAQ Fridays, we have about 50 or so in the can now I think that was a and in, staff initiative. They had determined that there were these frequently asked questions that people would come up with on certain topics, whether it was organics, whether it was one of the stewardship uh, extended producer responsibility programs. You know, there was these set of uh, questions that people regularly had. So they decided to develop these under 60-minute short videos that would answer those questions, and they started doing that about a year ago or so. And, and now, like I said, there's 50 in the can. So it's uh, it's been a great process in that now the staff have taken that initiative and they're developing the, these new communications tools that we're weaving into the thread of our social media.
0: That's that's awesome. Well, it sounds like, yeah, so in addition, they've taken it on and they have ownership with it, and it's creating huge value and fulfilling your mission. Absolutely. Um, like so, what I really got out of that, and and you know what we offer at SME Strategy as far as facilitating those meetings and encouraging people to um, to reach out or to to get employees engaged. I mean, that's like right in line with what we do. What did you have to do? I mean, I, I got the point that you had the meeting, and you know you talked about the vision and mission. But what was the key part? that you, if there is one or two that you put out there that really got people to, to want to engage and to want to create their
1: own vision of, for the future of the organization? Well, you know, uh, being a nonprofit, it's a little different than being a for-profit organization. Generally speaking, when you work for a nonprofit, you have some alignment already with the mission, whether it's reporters without borders or the Ride for Cancer or the Recycling Council of BC. <laughs> so in our case, you know the the staff that tend to want to work for us, they are interested in waste reduction. They're interested in the environment, and, and that's been their focus. So you already have a core set of values really that are aligned with the organization. And when you allow them to use their own creativity and take ownership of things and include them in the process of developing a strategy and then tactics to achieve those goals, it makes an immense difference. It it really is empowering for the staff.
0: Yeah, and then they want to be at work and they want to contribute and
1: they're they're excited and everything starts. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and we regularly communicate. Uh, I mean, we have an open communication system. When I said that I flatten the hierarchy and we drop those uh, internal silos, I mean, that was a huge, huge measure. Uh, Our staff uh, are in constant communications. Uh, They bounce ideas off me, I bounce ideas off them. You know, we have regular communications meetings. Uh, and, you know, there's, I'm always keeping them and they're always keeping me up to speed on what's going. Because they'll gain insight and, and, um, and information from different sources than I do. In, in case of the line staff, they're talking to the public directly. You know, I'm more along the lines of, of talking to other leaders in organizations. And, you know, it varies at different levels of the organization. So we're always looking at the strategy. Everyone knows what our what our strategic plan is—that we want to uh, promote the circular economy as a means of eliminating waste. And so, whenever an opportunity presents itself, we talk about it. And so, this open an open communications policy where we're all on the same page is helping us move forward.
0: That's excellent. And I mean, you have a small team, so it might be workable or more workable. But i you know I've seen the same sort of initiative be brought up in hundred people, two hundred three hundred people organization. It's just a matter of how you deploy it, how you scale it, and how you move it forward. But, you know, obviously some of the benefits that you got, you know, higher engagement with staff, I can uh, probably assert that your execution and actually execute getting your plan done moves up. There was employee retention. And if you're talking about two or three staff members a year, like that's 100, 150 grand, maybe more um, that goes right back to your ability to deliver services. So um, one of the things that some people don't necessarily realize when they look at planning, and I'm sure that you'll probably be on my side of this one, that, you know, yes, it can take time to make it happen, or you have to have a concentrated meeting about it. But you know, the results in your case sound like they speak for themselves, as far as like the bottom line and top line benefits to getting your team engaged and and, and doing this kind of planning process.
1: Well, I, I'm the first to admit that I'm very fortunate in that because it's a small team, and because we're all like minded and have uh, a similar value set that. So you know, that process was easier than trying to do it with an organization that has uh, multiple locations, multiple divisions, and you know they're, they're maybe not be not as focused on that singular mission of eliminating waste. Yeah, I'm very fortunate in that sense. But but one of the things that I think any organization can apply to their strategic planning is the ability to be agile. I mean, it has to be an organic, living plan. Because uh, as you move down the path, opportunities present themselves, challenges present themselves. You want to be able to take advantage of opportunities by applying, you know, something from your toolbox of tactics that you uh, have, or, you know, if a challenge presents itself, you got to make a decision whether or not you're going to meet that challenge head on or bypass it. Because in some cases it's a lot easier to jump over something or take another path than trying to overcome a challenge that may be insurmountable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, how often do you do that kind of planning with your team?
1: Well, the planning goes on an ongoing basis. uh, Really? We, uh, you know, we have our long-term five-year plan that we develop. uh, And then, you know, we, we, we keep it going. So it's, it's all a matter of, of everyday operations really. And, you know, we, we, emphasize flexibility so there are things that work and they continue to work but sometimes you know you 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 have to look for for something else Uh, for instance uh, developing the PSAs through the trailer trash was an opportunity that that presented itself through a creative idea you know we have our platforms of hotline and recyclopedia and our phone app But we never decided to, for instance, drop the hotline once the Recyclopedia came along. We didn't drop the Recyclopedia once the app came along. We decided that those tools had their place, and we would use them simultaneously uh, for various applications.
0: Hmm. I got that. Cool. So, I mean, within all of that, you know, looking at the comprehensive program, looking at everything as a system Um, incorporating your team into the, to the process, what are some of the risks that you would recommend to avoid in the planning process? Um, Like one of them obviously was like being agile or not being agile. Um, Any other risks that you would mention? Say don't do this. If you want to have a successful strategic plan.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, And the following along with that, like don't lock yourself in, right? Obviously be, be uh, able to pivot and take advantage of, of, situations. And realize that your organization's got limitations and develop those alliances to help you overcome those shortcomings and resources. So that would be one. Um, you also want to have a clear, be aware of a clear difference between strategy and tactics. Uh, you know, tactics, like I said, is a toolbox where strategy is that overarching plan that you're working towards and the tactics are going to be how you get there and and that leads into board management so in an organization such as ours that that has a board uh, and we have a policy governance board uh, sometimes your board can be populated by folks who are more operational in their thinking uh, in their own careers so you do have to have a little bit of caution and provide some leadership between your uh, board chair and your chief of staff to make sure that the folks are involved in the strategic planning process, realize that it is a strategy that we're working towards and tactics are more of an operational side of things that they can be discussed. And so they're aligned with, uh, you know, the, uh, the deliverables at the end of the day, but you know, you have to make sure that you're focused on the strategy and not the tactics.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, I'll take this opportunity to plug our our new book called alignment. Um, and what, and it speaks to what you're saying is that looking, taking from like 30,000 feet, looking at the vision of really where you're wanting to go. So of course, you know, in your case is a world without waste. And then moving down from your mission statement, how are you going to accomplish your vision? And then moving into the strategies and tactics. So in in our, our book, we go over that entire process and look at who fits in what, Space and you've done a really good job of getting your uh, employees, even your frontline employees, who in some organizations people were just concerned with the tactics. You've actually embraced uh, the vision with them, so that everybody is on the same page—the strategy, culture, um, and people. Everybody's on the same page, which is also the subtitle of mm-hmm. the book. So, very subtle there. Uh, <laughs> awesome. So, uh, cool. I got that. So, the clear separation of vision being the high-level stuff. And the tactics, which are on the ground stuff. And it sounds like you're an advocate of, well, of having both because without one, the other doesn't work. Right. Awesome. Um, perfect. And so I guess my my last question here is, there is there anything else that you would recommend to a, a CEO or a manager um, who is leading strategy and who wants to lead strategy successfully with their team?
1: Well, you know, I've really found that the combination of teamwork and communications for me has served the organization well, you know, and as I said, it's leading strategy. When you've got members of your team that are all leaders in terms of strategy, then, you know, that, that effort makes sure that you're on the same page on the same path. And when I think about this, I think about um, a couple of quotes uh, from Ken Blanchard and, uh, and um, Henry Ford, in fact. Uh, so Ken Blanchard said, um, it's, it's a matter of none of us are smarter than all of us. The more brains you can get in the room, in other words, the better off you are. And of course, Henry Ford said, coming together is a beginning and keeping together is progress, but working together is success. And that for me is key because success is a process not an event. So you put your process in place and you work with it and you'll, you'll achieve success.
0: Fantastic. Well, yeah, work together, get everybody communicating, sharing ideas, um, you know, breaking sil- silos down and empowering everybody to win and be successful. Sounds like it's been the uh, the key to your success and the, and the key to a, a successful career as a, as a CEO. So
1: well, it's it, it's worked it's worked pretty well. Uh, but I feel fortunate to have the type of people that I work with and the level of talent. Uh, you know, it's 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 very fortunate. You you always make sure that you you realize and acknowledge that you're blessed with the amount of people that support you because that's what it is. It is a group effort.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can't you can't do it all. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Exactly. Awesome, <laughs> Brock. So um, where can people get a hold of you or learn more information about the Recycling Council of BC?
1: Well, our website is rcvc.ca, and uh, you can uh, look up our recyclopedia there or download our app, and uh, my contact information is on that website, If uh, and we're quite often asked by folks to uh, provide them with information on how they can be more sustainable and and uh waste less and uh, we do that all the time so quite happy to have anyone contact us now and and talk to them or steer them to a person within our organization that might have the expertise that they're looking for
0: fantastic and yeah a lot of great resources available there and um i think it's more important than ever now to uh have a world without waste and, and uh, i'm sure there'll be some listeners there who'd be happy to exchange ideas and knowledge uh, that will enable efficient solutions to eliminate waste so just uh, another plug for your amazing vision and mission that really drives everything in your organization so um thank you so much for uh being here today brock it's been a, a, a real pleasure
1: Thanks, Anthony. I really enjoyed it. This has been a
0: Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor, and today I've been chatting with Brock McDonald, who's the CEO of the Recycling Council of BC. So do check out his website, their website, rcbc.ca. Um, and then if you're interested in checking out our new book, Alignment, How to Get Your People, Strategy, and Culture on the Same Page, visit www.smestrategy.net slash dash book for more information about the book. And you can also find the show notes to this on the website as well. And then be sure to uh, rate us on your favorite podcasting service, whether that's SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, and uh, do share this with somebody else if you think it will make a difference. Once again, Anthony Taylor with the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I look forward to sharing with you very soon. Thanks for listening.